Hey, this is Asia Dang. And this is Laura Varney, and you're listening to Heavy Topics with Lightweights. Hello, hello, hello. Hi, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. Just uh, eating some dried apricots. Because of course you are. Why wouldn't you? I just had chips myself. We're two well, different I people. Ha- I have this weird schedule now which we've talked about before, but like I created our third bedroom. I created a studio here. So I'm like doing a couple different things with clients where I do Zoom sessions here or I have to film videos for clients or whatever. But it's just like back to back to back right now, which thank God. I mean, you like working like that. I love it. But the problem is, you know, I thought by working in my house, I would have regular meals. Mm. but it's just the same as if I was at the gym. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, oh my God, let me shove something in my mouth really quick because I haven't eaten today and I'm starving. And then I'll get to dinner and want to like go crazy, you know? So is this, is the dried apricot your lunch? Or is it a sure? Because it's almost 4.30. I mean, it's 4.30. I know. And here's the thing. When you have a kid, because whatever, he's not my kid, but you get what I mean. Yeah. You eat at 5.30. So yeah. like, I can't have a meal right now. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. So I'm just hey like, man, I don't mind eating early. I'd rather eat early, to be honest. It's one of my favorite things about having him. It's the best. Even when he's not here now, I eat at 530. Because then you wake up in the morning and you feel like everything's been digested. You're flat stomach. You feel good. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you did the intermittent fast or you still do it anyways, right? Yeah. 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 So you just so. eat breakfast earlier. Yeah, except that I don't, but yeah. <laughs> so I'm left with about a three-hour window. <laughs> yeah, you, you eat three hours in the day. Yeah. Oh um, yeah, what's going on with you? Same old girl. Like, I don't know, literally yeah. same old. Hey, are you going to the pro- any of the protests on uh, Sunday? Yeah, so... Um, Our marches? Yeah, Brian and I are going to, I think I've decided it's going to be my last protest I'm going to, uh, which is the Pride Black Lives Matter protest, which is going to be huge. So I think that'll probably be the last protest that I will be personally attending, and then we'll get tested two days after, and then go back to quote-unquote normal life after that. Yeah, okay. I think I'm going to do the same because um, I was going to test this week because we went last weekend Mm -hmm. um but i really want to go to that pride march as well so i think i'll do the same thing yeah i think i I forget what i what i read but it was like definitely if you've been to um protests or marches get tested two to seven days after yeah yeah um so yeah that's what i'm gonna do and then because everything's now opening up so I just want to make sure that I'm okay to mm-hmm. go to, I mean, we were talking about this earlier, like the gym, my gym will be opening up, but I don't really have interest in going anytime soon, but I just want to make sure that I'm safe from all the protests I've been going to. Where will you be going? What do you mean? Like, okay. As of right now, I basically go to the market. Mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that's pretty much it. <laughs> I've gone to the doctor's office once, but so like, where will you, where do you consider right now safe for you to go? Like, where are you planning on going? Nowhere. Yeah. 
Yeah, still nowhere. I mean, I've seen people at restaurants, which is now like people just eating outside, which is Mm -hmm. perfect anyways. But yeah, I mean, I just, I honestly don't really plan on doing anything until August, to be honest. Yeah. Just to be safe. And um, yeah, I don't know. We just go to the grocery store. We've, we're trying to support, we've had like probably about 10 places in our neighborhood closed down. Mm permanently. So we're, we've been trying to order out to help support our neighborhood, but it doesn't seem to be working. Um, but I would, I would eventually like to go to my gym again because working out at home just doesn't do it for me. And we had this conversation. I went to the doctors the other day and I have gained 10 pounds apparently. It's so weird because I'm looking at you right now and I'm like, where did it go? I know to be honest, like that's why I, that's why I got all like the thyroid tests and everything and everything came back clean. So it's mm-hmm. like, mm, and we have been, we work out at, in, at home every day, but we don't have any heavy weights. So like, I don't know if it could, it could be weight, like muscle gain. Cause I feel like my booty's a little bit more muscular these days, but like 10 pounds of muscle doesn't seem right. So there has to be some kind of fat come like somewhere. I don't know, but interesting. Well, you look good, but look good. I know that's always like a weird feeling when the number changes that drastically. It's like, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah. I would like to eventually get back into the gym just because I just like group, group workout classes. I like going someplace. It just makes me work out harder, but I don't know at what point I'll be comfortable doing that. Yeah. Agreed. My gym is opening up next Friday, but I'm going to continue to train my clients here and on zoom for now. And then at least for a few months. Like I'm not even thinking that will happen anytime soon. And your clients are, do they, have they been preferring the Zoom workouts to actually like going into the gym? So it's interesting. No, for the most part, right? But, you know, I turned this room into a studio. So I'm going to have people come here. Um, I've got tons of equipment. I'm setting up a TRX next week. Um, and it like opens up to a patio. So it's a great space. That's awesome. I got like gym flooring. I have dumbbells. I have a bench. I have like the whole setup. Um, you have to come work out with me sometime. Yeah, that's great. um, So what will happen is like, I have one client who has three kids and they're out of school. So for her right now, it's easier to do zoom, but pretty much everyone else is going to do I think we'll end up doing studio workouts here or a combination of studio and Zoom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, honestly, I'm, I, I guess I've been working from home for years, so I just mm-hmm. prefer to not leave the house. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if you might like just prefer to stay at home and do have people come to you. Yeah. Well, also, there's the other thing of like, there's no overhead when you're working from home. So yeah. that's always nice. I mean, I've invested a ton of money in this space, but you know, I use it personally too. So yeah, but it's yours. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. I guess there will be, and for everybody, for everyone's jobs and for everyone's personal life, I think we'll just find out more over the next few months, but mm-hmm. yeah, that's what's happening. Okay. So today we are talking to our friend, Rachel, who has been on this crazy long journey of freezing her eggs. It's so interesting. Like if you're listening to this, sit down 
and like, don't try and multitask because there's a lot of really great information in this podcast. Yeah. I mean, Um, it was the first time I've ever heard anything about it. So all of it was just new information to me. Mm -hmm. And it was, she, it was confusing, but she articulates it very well. Yeah. There's so much, it's, it's when it deals with your body and your hormones, there's so many things that you have to know before you like jump into it. It's not just like, I'm going to go to the doctors and freeze my eggs. It's like a whole process. Yeah. I mean, I, I just realized over the last, I think like six to eight months ago, I started tracking my period in an app, Mm -hmm. the flow app. Just to know what's well, going I use on. I that one body. too. Oh, yeah, so good. But just when I started using that, I realized like I don't really know that much about my body or my reproductive system I know, or my period or anything. I didn't know that you can really, I don't want to say you can only, this is probably not true information, but your chances of getting pregnant are basically like there's like a three-day window or something during the I thought month. it was like seven days or maybe it's seven I don't know whatever it's like a yeah, short we don't, window we should, uh, we I should literally know nothing like know. a guy had to tell me this we have we should have some like a I don't know would it be a fertility specialist or something to or just like with? an OB like OBGYN yeah. or something yeah because yeah. it's so it really is like I don't know anything either. And actually the app I use is Clue. So there's so many apps that are out there that can help you track your period, but it's also like you're, it's, I don't know. I don't even know how to explain it. It's like you have your menstrual cycle mm-hmm. and then you have your fertility cycle and then you have all like, it's like, what? Yeah. There's like something different happening each week. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Listen, I just want to know that like, I just want to know when I can get pregnant and when I cannot get pregnant. And when I'm going to start bleeding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I like, I usually try and like plan my vacations around my period. Cause I don't want to be bleeding on my period on my vacation. <laughs> <laughs> you should just like build a vacation period app that just no, legit. alerts you when you can go on vacation. <laughs> We were legitimately like planning Hawaii vacation in September. And I'm like, hold on. What are those dates? Let me check my period out. Because <laughs> who wants to be like putting on a swimsuit, going to the pool, like worried about a tampon string? Not me. I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I'm from Hawaii. So we're always like, yeah. that was never even a thought. Like, oh, oh no, my I'm gosh. on period. I cannot go to the beach today. it's not that I won't go I'll go but it's like you have to think about the string and it's just like annoying I guess I mean why is your string out in your vagine loose and goosey I don't know I mean I tuck it up I tuck it in the hole the hole like (laughs) I do I take the string and I tuck it in the hole like you do the tampon like your vagina (laughs) but what if you like move a certain way and the string starts to like out. I don't know. Like it's, I don't know. Like nothing is sure. Nothing is like for sure. 100% when it comes to a vagina. I, I would, I would like to take this time to give a shout out to our friend Alejandro, who's the only guy I know that listens to this podcast every week. <laughs> I don't know why you still it. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Like we are on episode eight. Do you realize that? Oh, dang. What does that mean? Does that mean something? 
I mean, don't, weren't we planning to end on episode 10? Sure. Like for a little break? Or did I imagine that? I mean, you yeah, guys no, know we're right. all a mess. Isn't that what we did before? No, before we, I think we stopped at 15 and we decided that was too much. <laughs> oh, okay. So then yes, we're going to end at 10. Oh my God. This has flown by. Yeah, we've kind Wait, of been crushing the podcast But game. you know what's crazy is that it seems like we've been doing this for so long, but we actually started this because of quarantine. So that's just like how long we've been in quarantine. No, we did not. We had an episode right before quarantine. Did we? The bread and butter episode. Oh, correct. You're right. Okay. <laughs> come on, come on, come on. Okay, Laura, do the spiel. Okay, you guys, remember to follow us on Instagram at Heavy Topics. And you guys, please subscribe to the podcast. If you listen to these episodes, just hit subscribe. It's super easy and it's very, very helpful for us because now we are actually working with some advertisers. Oh my God. We have some, we are, we have two advertisers. We are professionals. And we're trying to pull more in. So, you know, subscribe to our podcast, rate and review. Hopefully next week we can actually see your reviews and we'll read one on air. We love you guys. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Yes. Thank you for Thank coming. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Um, so let me, okay, what, what is the proper terminology for what you have been going through? Because I keep on wanting to say fertility treatments, but I know that's not it. Or is it? I don't know. I mean, I just say freezing my eggs. <laughs> freezing my eggs. Okay. I wasn't sure if there was like some kind of like fancy, fancy term for it. I mean, there, there, I'm sure there is some fancy medical term, but I think egg freezing is generally okay. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to talk to you as is Laura, because I don't know anyone who's been so public about it and who, who has done it actually. I know one other person who's done it and it's interesting because she's the same, Rachel, like similar in our age. She's a couple years older than us, I think. I think you're the same age as we are right? I'm probably a little older, but she's a, she's a couple years older than me. And she's a client of mine and mentioned that she was doing it. And I was like, Oh my gosh, now I want to know all about it because you know, should I be doing it? Let's, you know know. what I mean? And she was kind of giving me the down low. So it's crazy because we're, we are at that age now where people, I mean, I still don't get pressure to have babies. Like that's never been something that I have had pressure to do ever in my life, but now we're at the age where it's like, we have to make decisions. Right. It's we have scary. to start to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I actually have some statistics that I pulled from the fertility clinic website that I went through that I would love to share with your audience, just because knowledge is power, especially when it comes to this, because it's not something that is reversible and like time is really important when it does come to fertility so um yeah you're right like we're at this age where fertility really matters and it's important to know like certain statistics and um just in case like anyone doesn't know like as a woman ages we naturally have a decline in our eggs And so when you are let's say 20 and you're a healthy woman like has no um 
health issues or conditions or anything, like you have approximately a 25% chance of getting pregnant each month. And then when you are 30, you have approximately a 20% chance of getting pregnant each month. Month, And at 35, that chance goes down to 15%. And then at 40, it's 5%. So like, wow. yeah. So when you're in your 30s, like the percentage itself is already like pretty low. Um, even when you're at 20 and the chance is 25%, like, <clears throat> you know, so it's just something that we should all be super mindful of. So what was kind of the catalyst that, inspired you to go through the egg freezing process? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, when I look back at even when I was like in my teenage years, having kids was always a part of my picture and always a part of my future. So it's never been like this question of, do I want kids? Do I not want kids? I know that I've always wanted children in some capacity in my life. So knowing that, um, I wanted to ensure that that happened, but you know what? Like sometimes you don't necessarily meet the right partner. Things don't work out. You don't find that person that you actually want to have children with. And that's where I found myself in my twenties and like things didn't necessarily work out the way that I wanted to. Um, and I sort of like let that go. And it kind of like was put on the back burner because I was also trying to build up my career. I was trying to do all these other things to build myself up personally that I kind of stopped thinking about having kids. Um, and then it wasn't until back in 2018 when I actually was diagnosed with kidney cancer that everything in my life kind of like came back into the picture in terms of like, okay, I am faced with having cancer. I'm fine now. Everything's all good. But during that time of recovery, I was like, okay, what do I want my life to look like in the future? And that's when that picture of wanting to have kids came back into my life. Um, so it was shortly after that, that really like got me thinking, okay, I definitely want kids. What can I do? I'm not seeing anyone seriously or seeing anyone that I would want to have children with. So what's like the next best thing to kind of like preserve what I have. And so that's why I started researching egg, fr or egg freezing. It's so interesting that sometimes it takes like, uh, something to happen like you said your ki your kidney cancer um for us to realize what we really want in life and what's really important to us right totally totally yeah and like i guess for me like it doesn't it shouldn't have to be something as dramatic as having cancer um so i'm really happy that you guys are like trying to bring this topic to your audience because um it's just something that everyone should really think about like even if it's not in terms of fertility and having kids it's like what do you actually want your life to look like and then work in that direction you're really close to your parents did you have this conversation with them before you went through the process of getting your eggs frozen or did you include them at all did you tell them what you were planning to do did you ask for advice yeah, um, I'm especially close to my mom, and I already knew that I was going to do this. I had done all my research. I knew which clinic that I wanted to go to. I like had the phone consultations, all of that stuff, so I already knew that that was the path that I was going down, um, and then I kind of just told her what I was doing, and I think it's sort of like a generational, um, like, not understanding, I guess, um, what exactly this is. Um, because, you know, for our parents' generation, like they, at least for my parents, like they have no concept of like what this actually is, or even IVF or any of these things. Like they just think, oh, you try 
to get pregnant and then you do and then you live happily ever after and that's how things work out um so if only it was that simple <laughs> i know right um but yeah so it took a little bit of explaining to my mom um but yeah once i told her what i was doing of course she was all on board so tell us like break down the process cuz yes. you you're not you didn't go to a clinic in california correct you went somewhere else yeah so I mean, obviously there's fertility clinics everywhere, um, but I was actually doing a lot of research, reading a bunch of articles, um, and the fertility clinic that kept on coming up for me was CCRM. And so CCRM, they actually have locations all around the US, um, and they actually have one in Southern California, but unfortunately at that clinic, they don't actually have um, egg freezing uh, possibly done, or egg freezing, the egg freezing procedure done. Um, so I started looking into them a little bit more and like where I could potentially go. And I actually traveled to Denver and I met with the founder of CCRM. His name is Dr. Schoolcraft. Wow. To, like, yeah. That's, so cool. yeah. That's access for you. <laughs> totally. Cool. Yeah. So I just wanted to get a better sense from him of like what this process would look like. I wanted to make sure that I would be in really good hands. Obviously people don't have to go to that measure to do that, but um, that's something that I was interested in. And also I'm at this point in my life where I'm not super tied to being in Southern California. Um, so I was also using that opportunity to kind of take a look at Denver, take a look at that area and see if that's potentially a place where I might have a future as well. So it was kind of killing two birds with one stone. Denver is a really great city. It's beautiful. Yeah. What was it about the clinic that people really liked? Um, they, first of all, um, even though it's a really large clinic, what I really liked about it is that they're so reputable, but so um, warm too, even though they're so big. Um, my medical team was so hands-on. Like I would talk to my nurse on the phone for like an hour and a half. She always heard every question that I had, every concern that I had. <clears throat> and she always just made sure that I understood every single step. And that's what I really appreciated about going to a place like CCRM because they just were so hands-on and didn't treat me like just any other patient. Um, I could see how well um, they really trained their medical team to put an emphasis on patient care. So that's what I really liked about them. And um, because they're so reputable, they also have a lot of um, really strong relationships with specialty pharmacies. And that's one thing that I actually discovered down the road because when you're getting the medication to kind of prep your body, um, certain fertility clinics will have access to specialty pharmacies and have certain relationships. So they're able to like provide their patients discounts and things like that. So that's what I really liked from a patient perspective as well. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So I do want to hear the rundown of how mm -hmm. this happened, like the procedure from start to finish, because I know it's very detailed and there's a lot that goes into it. Right. Uh, so you get back from Denver and you decide, all right, I'm it's time to do this. What are the next steps? Exactly. So my first step could have been, okay, I'm in Denver, I come back home, I'll sit on it, and then I'll start. But since I was already out there, and I already knew in my head that I was going to go, go through with it, I had already done that thinking. Um, on that same initial trip, um, I actually did do some 
blood tests and some hormone work. So basically what you have to do is you should expect to get certain levels tested. So I got my AMH tested and AMH stands for anti-mullerian hormone. And basically it is a hormone that will test your levels and it can provide an estimate of whether or not um, you have a certain number of significant growing follicles or not. And it's basically a marker to identify um, your ovarian reserve count. Um, and the AMH level can be tested like at any time in your cycle. So it didn't matter if I was on my period or not. So I tested that. And then um, the other things that I had to test when I got home were levels around my FS FSH, LH and E3. So those are three different hormones that need to be tested on the second or third day of your menstrual cycle um, because those do fluctuate between your cycles. And also, again, these are um, different levels to check your fertility level. Um, and then you can also get your baseline ultrasound. And when they said, oh, do you want to get your ultrasound done? I thought like, okay, it's like this thing that you see on TV where it's like they put jelly on your belly and they look, it's definitely, it's not that. It's, um, it's a transvaginal ultrasound. So they actually insert some sort of probe into your vagina and um, the technician will be able to see your uterus, um, your ovaries. They can count how many follicles you have. Um, it's uncomfortable, but it's not painful. So if anyone was wondering. Um, so that's kind of like the first step and like the first consultation is getting all of that like baseline work done. That's really intense uh, first steps. Yeah. <laughs> really invasive, intense yeah. first steps. Yeah. I know. Well, what's so funny is that like, okay, obviously the first time that I did the transvaginal ultrasound, I was like, oh my gosh, like kind of like shy and like, oh, I want the nurse to like go out of the room. But at the end of this, you end up getting, I don't know how many I got done, like six, seven, eight, I don't even know. But like at the end of it, you're just like, oh, you don't even have to leave the room. I'll just like, you know, get you're just walking with right assless now. chaps. You're like super ready to go. You're here for it. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> like, you're just like, let's get this done. Get in, get out. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Steps after that. So you get the results. Yes. So you get the results. And basically once you get the results, your doctor is able to identify what type of protocol he wants to he or she wants to put you on so the protocol is essentially like what type of medication how much medication um it's just kind of like all the it's sort of like a i don't know like a algorithm i guess of just like okay if you have this certain level like then you get this medication in the AM and then you'll get something in the PM so basically once the doctor identifies what protocol you want like he wants you on, then um, you start. And um, you are on that for basically about 10 days, but this is going to be really variable depending on each person because it will all depend on your level. Because during this time, it's not just like you take the medication for 10 days and then you see your doctor. Like all throughout the process, you are getting your, um, your hormones checked just to make sure that like everything is going in the direction that it needs to go in. Um, so you'll be getting blood work done. You'll also be getting those um, ultrasounds done. Um, for me, I think I actually ended up, 
because my follicles were growing and responding really well to the medication, I don't think I went the full 10 days. I think it was like eight or nine, actually, I want to say. Um, but basically, the medication can either be, um, depending on what you need, it can be something that is oral, like just a pill. And then there's also injectable medication. And um, those are not super pleasant. So I'm not even going to sugarcoat that. Like, it's not painless, like there's definitely some pain, but for anyone that is like kind of scared about that, like if you ice it, if you do certain things to kind of like numb the area, like it, it'll be fine. And also just to remember it's temporary, but um, yeah, so you have to basically inject yourself um, or if you have a partner or a friend or someone to be able to do that for you. Um, but I just kind of did it myself and you inject yourself into um, your belly and luckily I've got a nice, good layer of fat there. So, <laughs> so I felt really protected, um, but, um, but yeah, so you end up doing that and yeah. And then at the end of it, um, you basically, the last step is you have to do this trigger shot. And so the trigger shot is essentially telling your body like, Hey, in a certain amount of time, like it's like you're triggering ovulation because um, 36 hours after your trigger shot, that's when you go into the surgery room and that's when they retrieve all of those eggs that you've been growing. And I will say that during this whole time that you are um, taking all of this medication, you will actually physically feel your follicles growing. Like <laughs> towards the end of it, I felt like I couldn't, well, you're also not supposed to, but I also couldn't jump. I couldn't run. I couldn't do any sudden movements. You're also not supposed to do any like crunches or ab work or anything that will, um, anything that's sort of like centered around your abdomen. So you really just have to like kind of take it easy um, during that time. But yeah. Was it like a bloated feeling? It's like, it's definitely a bloated feeling. And I'll say like, it kind of feels like you have like, tiny grapefruits that are inside of your body. Like it just feels like something is in there. Interesting. It, yeah. So obviously there are physical implications to doing this, but I know that um, just as women, this is kind of an emotional thing to go through or to think about. Plus you add on all of these hormones on top of it. Um, what did you feel like? What were your emotions while you were going through these medications and procedures? <laughs> it's so funny because you know that you're pumping yourself up with hormones. You know, obviously your emotions are going to fluctuate. But even though I was doing it, I would always surprise myself when I would have an outburst of emotions because you kind of just don't feel it coming on. Like I, like both of you ladies know me, like I'm a pretty, I feel like, calm person in general like I'm not like super hot tempered or anything um but then I remember one time like someone said something to me and I just snapped and I was like yelling at the top of my lungs and I like don't even remember why it was over something really really small that wouldn't have mattered in normal life but because I was on all these hormones I just something in me kind of snapped so that definitely wasn't fun 
Um, and I remember like another time it was really close to the end. So I was definitely full of a ton of hormones and I was not myself. Um, but I would just get really moody. Like I would become like really quiet. And then if something wasn't going in the way that I would expect, I just had this like outburst of emotions and I was like sobbing uncontrollably. I remember FaceTiming a friend after I had this outburst and I was like just sobbing and she was like, what's going on? And I told her and it like wasn't even a big deal. She was just like, just breathe, calm down. Cause like she knew where it was coming from, but it was just like such an over-exaggeration of emotions during that time. As you guys know, I've been in the fitness industry for a long time. I used to take tons of supplements back in the day because I didn't really know what I needed. I would seriously walk around with like a tackle box full of vitamins. I know now for my long-term health goals, it's super important to take vitamins. I just don't really know what to take and I kind of want someone to push me in a direction. So I'm so glad that I discovered Care Of. They're this wellness brand that makes it easy to maintain health goals with customized vitamin plans, which is incredible. They have this cool online quiz that makes it super easy. I literally took it within like five minutes sitting in a waiting room the other day. It asks simple questions like how much sleep do you get? How often do you work out? Which for me personally is a lot. So I need certain supplements to support that. I focus mostly on my digestion, brain function, fitness, hair, skin, and nails, things like that. And then at the end, it provided a list of vitamins that I can take along with some protein powders. I'm really, really excited to try their protein powders. Currently, we are offering 50% off your first Care Of order. So all you have to do is go to takecareof.com and enter the promo code HEAVYTOPICS50 at checkout. Again, that's takecareof.com and enter HEAVYTOPICS50. Back in LA doing this, right? Or are you back in Denver? I'm in Denver for like the last part of it because almost every day you have to check in with your doctor because they need to test your levels and they need to do the ultrasounds just to see where the growth is because like I don't know the scientific reasoning behind this but um, basically there's like a certain range I guess your follicle should be in terms of the growth um, so they're always measuring the size of it. Um, so once it's within a certain range, they know that you're ready for retrieval. So wait, wow. how long, how long is it from start to finish? How many days? So like in an ideal world, your cycle is super normal. Everything works out exactly as is you go to that first consultation, you start your cycle in a couple days. So you're able to get all that baseline work done. And then you're on medication for 10 days and you should actually be done in like probably two to three weeks. Mm -hmm. But because my cycle is actually super unpredictable, um, the course of my treatment and just like talking to doctors and blood work and all that, it probably lasted, I want to say like two and a half, three months. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So it really depends on like when it really just depends on your cycle on and if you're normal. Yeah. Or regular. Yeah. So what was it like when they retrieved your eggs? So that's actually um, super quick. So you go in, 
Um, and this is a note actually for procedure day. You always wanna make sure that you have someone to pick you up. Because I was in Denver I, and I was by myself, I actually had to hire like this outside nurse um, company that would be able to like pick me up and take me back to my hotel. Um, but basically you go in, um, they put you under, obviously you're under anesthesia. You talk to an anesthesiologist beforehand, like they'll kind of tell you what's going to happen. And basically you get put to sleep and I want to say like 45 minutes, maybe an hour later you're up and you like obviously don't remember anything that happened. The nurse or the doctor will come to your room and will talk to you and will say how many eggs they retrieved. Um, and they let you rest for a little bit. And then a couple hours later, you're like back in your room. So it's a really quick procedure and you end up getting the results like pretty immediately. Wow. Results meaning how many of those eggs are viable? Well, so this is the thing, like we don't know how many eggs are good quality. Like we never know the quality of the egg until you actually try to use the egg. So, yeah, so you only know the quantity. So what the doctors have always told me is that um, it takes 10 eggs for one viable pregnancy. Mm. So I know. So in my case, like um, when I woke up, the nurse told me that they retrieved 12 eggs. Um, So out of that, like I guess there's only one potential viable egg. But what's interesting is that with my clinic, they actually retrieve all eggs. So even if they don't appear to be as mature as they would like, um, they still retrieve all the eggs. And I think they do some kind of medical procedure or medical thing overnight. So basically I think it's sort of like an incubation thing that they do with your eggs. Um, It's sort of like that, what is that thing that you do in elementary school with like the little baby chicks and their eggs and you put it under like a, a hot lamp mm-hmm. and like it hatches? So it's like kind of like that concept, I guess, um, but a lot more medical. And um, so overnight, they actually called me the next day and said that they used some of those eggs that were um, like semi-mature, I guess. And overnight, they grew to be mature. So I have an additional six eggs. So I have 18 eggs total. So I guess that's like a potential one to two if we're just using that average um, that the doctors provided about one in 10. Um, But yeah, that's the interesting thing is that you just don't know what's actually viable and what's actually good quality because every egg has their own sort of like health analysis, basically. That's kind of scary. Yeah, Yeah. that's that's like the one thing that my gynecologist told me because I got a new gynecologist this year and I had asked her, obviously, like I said, I had heard about you doing it and another friend. And so I brought it up and she's like, yes, we can look into that. Just know that you don't really know the, if the egg is viable, if the eggs are viable or not. So it's really interesting. Well, it's, it sucks because you spend like Rachel, you spent, I guess, three months Mm -hmm. up to this point. And then you're, you know, the eggs will just be there until you're ready to hopefully have a child. And if none of those eggs are viable, maybe it's a couple years later, then you have to go through that process all over again. 
Yeah, it's definitely, um, yeah, that's the thing too. It's like, I think people think that if you freeze your eggs, it's like, oh, this is a guarantee. Like I'm going to be able to get pregnant later using these eggs. But like, that's not really true. You don't know that this is actually going to turn into an actual pregnancy. Right. It's just like, this might work. This is a backup plan. It might work. Totally. We hope, we hope it works. (laughs) Exactly. It's like a, it's not a solid plan B, but it's like a, it's one written in pencil, not pen kind of thing. But also it's pretty expensive, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's about on average, and this is going to depend it's going to be different for everyone because it's all really dependent on how much medication you need as well. Um, so all in, I think the average it's safe to say is like 10 grand. Just for the initial, does that also include housing the eggs until you're ready? Um, yeah, no. So it doesn't include the actual freezing of the eggs per year. That's an additional, I believe, at least with my clinic, I think it's 500 a year. Um, but also that varies as well. Um, But yeah, so the 10 grand is like the consultations, the medication, the actual procedure. Um, So it's, that's kind of all in. And then each year on top of that, you pay like a quote unquote, like rental fee. And that's- Why can't you just freeze the eggs in your own freezer? (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I'm not, yeah, why not? That makes sense. Honestly, like it sounds like a silly question, but if they're just, if they're just freezing them, then why can't they give you the eggs and you don't? have to pay the 500. Well, I mean, I think it's, I think it has to probably be like a different temperature. It's probably like super, super cold. And also who would want their eggs next to their frozen peas? I I mean, we all have those cute little face mask, beauty mask, mini freezers these days. (laughs) Listen, I'm down with keeping my eggs in my own freezer next to my frozen chocolate chips. I don't know what you're talking about, peas. <laughs> I have I have chocolate chips and good stuff in my freezer. Wow. I guess and if that's possible and it saves you $500 a year, like why not? I mean, honestly, after all of that, $500 a year isn't that much considering what you've already paid for. That's totally true too. True. Yeah. And that, and that doesn't include your flights and your hotel and all that stuff that you did personally to get this done in Denver. Yeah. And see, like, that's the thing too. It's like, people don't have to go to this extreme of like flying out to a place. Like, I mean, there's so many good fertility clinics that are out there um, within like almost every community. So um, there wouldn't be that added expense, but yeah, I would say the majority of the money definitely comes from the medication. And that's why in the beginning, when I mentioned like going to a clinic that has really good relationships with specialty pharmacies is super important because I remember I was shopping around, I was calling a bunch of different specialty pharmacies, asking them, um, you know, how much each medication would cost. And it totally ranged. Like some of them were like, oh, this for one dosage, it's going to be $1,200. And then for some, it was like, oh, it's going to be $2,000. So it all really varies. Um, But luckily with my fertility clinic, I remember for one, the highest quote that I got was like 2,500, but then with my clinic, I was able to get it down to like a thousand per dose. Um, and that's only because they had that relationship. So yeah, everything gets definitely really expensive. Yowzas. Yeah. Yeah. So it's something that you have to really be serious about. Um, but if someone has the funds, I 
like 1000% recommend it. Um, and even if people are like kind of on the fence, like it's something to think about um, just because fertility is something that you don't really get back, you know? So um, for me, I almost wish like, oh, I wish I looked into it when I was in my twenties and just did them when I was super young. Um, but of course, when you're in your twenties, you don't think like that usually. You're not, you're trying not to get pregnant. Yeah, I know. Exactly. It's so funny how time changes that. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about two different scenarios. One scenario, you find a man's, you get married and you decide to have a kid. What is that process now? Well, I'd obviously want to try to get pregnant naturally. Um, and also that's funny. Like, I don't know, I don't remember the exact statistic, but I think it's a very high percentage of women who actually freeze their eggs don't actually end up using it. Um, because they either get pregnant naturally or they decide like some other way, like they're not having kids or they adopt or whatever other scenario. Um, but yeah, if I get a man, I definitely want to try to get pregnant naturally. If that doesn't work out, um, obviously I'd try to go the IVF route and I'd try to use these eggs. So you would have to go, so you would have to do the IVF procedure now once you're ready to have the eggs inserted in you. Is that like the proper term for that? I, we, we literally have no we have idea no what we're idea. talking about. <laughs> okay. Well, no, we're like I, babies, what? <laughs> no, I mean, I'm going to join you in that too. Like, I don't actually know like what happens now after this, what I understand, and I'm sure there's going to be some medical professional that's listening to this that is like, no, that's totally wrong. But what I understand is basically egg freezing is everything but like egg and sperm together in terms of that is like the next step with IVF. Like that would be the only step left. Like so, egg and sperm together, insert done. Yes, insert done. And then I think that's and then I think you wait and see if um, it took and like if things worked. I mean, um, an IVF is like a really intensive process too. Yeah. I mean, that's all obviously like hormone based too. So, um, but from what I understand, essentially what you do along the way to prep your follicles and to like grow your eggs, like that part of it, I think is very similar, if not the same. <sighs> yeah, but why does this topic stress me out so much? It, like, because it's stressful. Anxiety. Also, yeah. because I feel like we have to actually think about it, and like I'm just not ready to think about it, and so it, yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's why I'm so glad that you guys are like bringing this up because it is something that like you know, it's like one of those things where it's like, you know, you have a big bill, but you don't want to look at it because it's so big. So you just like put it away and then eventually you'll like get a late fee and like, you'll have to conquer it at some point. It's almost like that where it's like, it's better just like face it now and identify if this is a route that you want to go down now, than like having it be almost like too late, you know? Yeah. Great analogy, by the way. <laughs> so <laughs> have you thought about like, your timing now, like when you would want this kid to come into the world or? I mean, that's such an interesting question. Um, so 
obviously I would need to get a man if I wanted, <laughs> if I wanted things to work out in the way that I wanted it to. Um, but I've actually been thinking about other scenarios, um, not using my eggs, but like I'm super open to adopting. Um, so I've definitely had that on my mind too. Um, I mean, like I said in the beginning, like just having kids in general is just super important. So whether they're biological or not, like, I don't know if that makes a huge factor um, to me now, but yeah, I mean, given that I'm not in a relationship where I'd want to have children, um, adoption is also a possibility. Have you thought about um, the sperm donation? I have thought about that. I just don't think that I would want to do that. More power to anyone that would want to um, or has, but there's something about that. Like, I don't know. I kind of just, I would want to know the person, I guess. Right. Yeah. You want to have like some kind of personal connection to them prior to getting knocked up by them. Totally. Yeah. Like, Exactly. Like, even if it were like a one night stand, at least I would like have some sort of reference as to like who this other <laughs> right, person right. is. <laughs> it's not just like a piece of paper with yeah. stuff on them. Exactly. <laughs> hmm. Okay. So you are definitely keeping your options open. Yeah, for sure. And um, yeah, that, I mean, that's the only way to do it. Right. So. Hmm. Does the, so the, I know we talked about the statistics in the beginning, but does the clinic that you went to, CCRM, have any recommended age to begin the treatment or do they generally just say the younger, the better? Well, that's actually really a good question. I remember in my initial consultation when I talked to Dr. Schoolcraft and the age might be off by a couple years, but I do remember him saying like his ideal um, patient who wants to go through with egg freezing is like late 20s, like 26, 27, 28. Oops. <laughs> hold on hold on we're all a little on. late for that one on. <laughs> what 26 year old is freezing their eggs that that, that does seem a little aggressive well so that's the i that's, mean that's the whole point it's like yeah in your 20s you're not thinking about this even though that's probably the prime age that you should be doing it hi <laughs> chihuahua but yeah, I like I people are having babies older at an older, later age. Yeah, like. for, for sure. I mean, especially in our community, right? Especially in LA, I think um, people are just ha- choosing to have children at a later time. Right. But, and are totally. also successful. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, of course, it's not impossible to get pregnant when you're later. It just gets a little, like your chances just become smaller. That's all. Right. But yeah, of right. course you can get pregnant when you're older. But yeah, that's the thing that like kind of sucks is that, you know, we can try to build our careers and do all these things and achieve all these goals. But like, and that's happening later and later in our lives. Um, but like fertility never really changes. So that's sort of the shitty part. Yeah. So for the eggs, if you were to use them 
inside of you. This is so, I don't even know. I don't even know how to say that. But, <laughs> if you were to insert them inside of you. <laughs> but you being an older, older mother, uh, yeah. that wouldn't necessarily affect you. It's just like the giving birth process. It's just, you want to be younger to take the, take the eggs out, but you don't necessarily, the age doesn't matter as to where, when you give birth. Does that make sense? Right. Oh, I see what you're asking. Clarify yeah. that question really quick because I want our audience to understand. I think you're asking, does the age, the age, does the age only matter when you take the eggs out, but not when you put them in? Yes. Like it's okay for you to be an older pregnant woman. Yes. Um, yeah. The prime like thing to think about is exactly like, when are you, um, actually freezing your eggs. Like that age is really important because the younger your eggs, like generally speaking, the healthier they could be. And you'll, you'll also get more quantity as well. Um, so that's really important. But um, yeah, as far as when you actually insert them um, or use them or I, yeah, again, I don't even know the actual term. Um, I don't believe that that really matters as much. Right. So, I will say, I think that the, the, um, there's a medical board, um, that actually has an age limit in terms of like the maximum age a woman can be in order to actually give birth. I mean, and it's a high age. It's like in your fifties or something. Um, there was a woman in India who got, who gave birth like in her sixties this year. Yeah, I think I thought she was older than that actually. 60s or 70s, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Do you know yeah. if that was like um it a was natural? IVF. Oh, okay. It was IVF, yeah. Whoa, at 70 you want to have kids? I know. Just right? like the just the thought of running around your like toddler as a 70-year-old is exhausting to me. Totally. <laughs> I watched um I watched a friend's kid and he's two and it was literally for like five hours. And I mean, the kid was definitely so good. Like didn't, wasn't even running around too much, but like just the amount of like energy that you're focused on just watching this child, like to make sure that they don't get into anything and aren't doing anything but make sure they're entertained. Like it's just, it is exhausting. It is no joke. Have you thought about raising a kid in this social and political climate right now? Oh, that's a great question. Oh, shit. Boom. Bomb. It's such a scary and tumultuous time. And like, you know, I just kudos to all the parents out there that are raising kids right now. Like, I, I can't even imagine how difficult that is and also if they're at an age where you can have some conversations with them like I don't even know what those conversations could potentially look like um but yeah I mean it's definitely so so scary but I mean I don't think that that's something that would deter me necessarily from wanting to have kids and wanting to wanting them to raise to be raised um in the society I mean they're still for all the messiness and chaos that's out there um i mean there's still a lot of like good things too i don't know have you two thought about those those kinds of things 
I mean, I definitely have for sure. I think it's hard not to. I know I've always known since I was younger that I definitely want to be a mother. So it's not a question to me whether or not I will do it. Um, but I also think that there's always been something negative going on in the world, right? So like when our parents were growing up, there was something else. There were other issues or maybe similar issues. So I think there's always something happening. I think that when it comes to children, I feel like for me personally, I tend to focus more on the positives, like the positive things that I get to teach them and show them and the positive, like the things that we get to do together and what I get to learn from them more so than like the shitty things that are happening in our world. I think for me and Laura and I have, talked about this on this podcast is I've never really had an opinion about having children personally, uh, which is also why this conversation is like kind of weird because even though I don't know if I want children, I know that I also don't want to take away that option for Brian. Um, You know, if we get to a certain age and I just don't have any more eggs to give him, I think I would feel really bad about that. But for me, mostly it's kind of like environmental issues that are really concerning to me because, you know, at what point will my children or my grandchildren not have fresh water to drink or fresh air to breathe or land that's not underwater kind of thing. So that's, if anything, my mind more goes towards like environmental issues versus like social issues that, like you said, Laura, happen. There's always something happening. Um, but now we're, we're definitely seeing kind of the effects on climate change that'll definitely affect the future generations. Yeah. That's a good point. I hadn't thought about like that environmental aspect of what that actually, like how even just geographically, what will our world kind of look like, um, due to climate change and all of that. So yeah, I mean, that's, those are really heavy questions. Um, but you guys are doing awesome. I know Asia, you are such an environmentalist. So um, I'm trying to be more sustainable and minimalist <laughs> every day. Yeah, I mean, I think this is, it's, it's serious questions because this is like a serious topic, you know? Yeah. Just the idea of, planning to bring a child into our world no matter how how it happens needs definitely needs some thought to be given to it yeah of course have you guys talked about having a kid together me and ryan mm-hmm. yes 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 he i mean he, we were friends for a long time before so he knew that um he knew i wanted kids so like he wouldn't have started dating me if he didn't want that to. Um, but yeah, we have talked about it. Dating someone who doesn't want a kid is a total deal breaker for me. There would be no point in me wasting my time because I know that I want that. It's not the case for everyone. It's just something that's important for me and clearly for you too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, let's talk about that, you freezing your eggs and dating. Have you like? Have you thought about at what point in your relationship you would bring bring this up or not until it's really serious or is it like a casual conversation? 
Yeah, this is such an interesting thing. Like being on social media and talking about so many things really openly. Um, and then also trying to date people. I always get a little bit, um, I don't know. I like a lot of times like people will be like, Oh, like what's your Instagram or something like that. And I kind of am shy about it because I don't want them. Not that I'm embarrassed in any way about anything that I've shared, but it's more like they literally get to read a novel about me, you know? Um, well, and I think in that case also, people end up making assumptions about you because of what's online. And that's only a very small portion of your story. There's so much more to who you are. And so I totally understand that. Well, and plus, I think you would want to tell them yourself. You don't, it's not something you want them to read in an Instagram post. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, it, that's like with egg freezing, but also like with me having cancer, it's not like I want them to see, like, I don't want them to view my whole like story highlight on me having cancer before I actually even tell them myself. Um, right. Yeah. So that's kind of been the tricky thing with dating. Um, just because I have been so open about a lot of things. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, since I am really open, like, I don't mind having these kinds of conversations, but um, it definitely takes a certain kind of person who is on that same path to not um, be, like, scared about that or judge that in any way. Someone who's, like, kind of in line with, like, where I want to go in my future, you know? I was going to say, it kind of helps you weed out all totally. people that wouldn't be taking this as seriously as you. Have you ever had, well, either one of you, well, Asia, you don't apply because you've been with Brian for so long, but have you, Rachel, ever had a guy like bring up certain things that you talk about on Instagram and it be an issue? Like, have you come across that at all? Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> um, my whole thing is, is if you do look up my Instagram or my blog or whatever, um, it's fine, but like, just tell me about it. I've been in situations where like, they don't actually say, or they don't want to admit to the fact that they looked me up. So they'll like reference something that I might've just posted or posted very recently. And they'll bring it up casually in conversation as if like, that's some huge coincidence. But like when it happens repeatedly, I know that they have been checking out what I'm up to. Um, so that always just gets like a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah, <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. I mean, that's the times now. That is the times. That's the times now. You Google yeah. someone before you meet them. <laughs> I mean, you have to. There's a lot of fucking weirdos out there, man. Yeah. Can't totally. be too careful. Well, see, that's the thing though. Like even for me, I don't actually look anyone up. Maybe I'm doing it wrong though. Maybe I should be. Mm, well, how are you I disagree. finding these guys? How am I finding these guys? Usually through, I mean, in the time of COVID, it is dating apps for sure. I mean, I feel so, like, I feel like if you go the dating app route, maybe you might want to do a little digging, but if you're meeting these people from friends, I, I yeah. feel like you would assume that they're good people if they're friends with your people. Yeah. So if it's someone that I know 
in real life, then you don't think I should have to look them up. Right? Yeah, I think that it's safer that way because it's like you have a reference, right? Yeah. So um, I personally, like I've never been on a dating app, but if I were to go on a dating app, I would want to look someone up for sure because it just seems a little riskier to me. Like it, you just don't know. But when you have a reference point, like someone else referring you to this person, you at least have someone to vouch for the fact that they're not a total piece of shit. And so <laughs> I think it's nice to have a little bit of mystery because I'm old school when it comes to that. And I like to just, I prefer to just meet someone. So I think that if someone's like setting you up with their friend, it's nice to not know and to find out for yourself because you don't want to be judged based on your Instagram, which means they probably feel the same. That's true. And it's probably better for you to like get to know them based on like personal interaction. Totally. Yeah. And I have um, like a wild imagination sometimes. So I almost feel like if I keep looking people up and I go down that rabbit hole, um, I feel like I can create a story of how this person is and I'll set myself up for failed expectations. Like when I actually do meet this person, I'll be like, oh, you're not exactly how I was envisioning. It's because like I had all of these things already in my head after my research, you know? So that's right. I try not after your that. research. <laughs> <laughs> after my extensive research. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Oh my gosh. Well, this was a really informative yeah conversation seriously Laura has it inspired you to think more seriously about this or what um no yes and no okay so I have been thinking about it for probably like two years because like I said I know other people have done it but uh I don't know I could see like I don't I mean this is a lot to say but like I could see myself within the next year or so like considering trying to have a baby. So I don't know if I would do it now or just like, you know, it's like not that far off for me in my thought process, at least. You should see my face right now. Not like, hold on, not like I'm planning on doing it, but more so like I'm not planning on not doing it. <laughs> right, right. Kind of, kind if of that like makes sense. if you get pregnant accidentally, you're fine with it. Right. Not today. <laughs> not today. Okay. Okay. <laughs> not today. Um, you know, you know, that's not true. Yeah. But in the near future. Yeah. No, I wouldn't like freak out. So whatever. I don't know. We'll see. I definitely have thought about it, but it's something about it. I don't know. For some reason, it's scary to me and I don't know why. Yeah. I mean, it's a serious topic. So I think it would be more weird if someone was like, oh, sure, I'll do it tomorrow. You know, it's something that yeah. you definitely have to think about. Yeah, no, definitely. Dude, so much information today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Rachel, thank you so much for speaking to us. We've been wanting to talk to you about this for a long for time. For months and months and months. <laughs> yeah, definitely since last year, for sure. Yeah, so thank you yeah. for coming. Of course. I'm, I hope that it was helpful. And um, yeah, let me know if anyone has any questions about it. I'm always happy to like talk someone through this procedure because I know, like we said, it can be scary. So have yeah, you done sure. blog posts about this? 
Yeah, I have a couple of blog posts and I have like um, story highlights on my Instagram. So people can definitely just kind of see how things went through through those experiences. Okay, cool. cool. We'll, we'll link that. that. Yeah, we'll yeah. put that in the um, whatever it's called down below. Show notes. Show notes. <laughs> I'm still getting used to this. <laughs> we're not we're not actual podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, we'll link that. And then, yeah, like uh, Rachel said, she's open to helping anyone out that has more questions or wants to talk through it um, because she knows that you might need another soundboard to bounce ideas off of. So, we'll- so the best way to get in touch with you for that would be Instagram, right? Yeah, for sure. So you will visit Rachel at Just Dimple It, but we will also put that in the show notes. Yes. Awesome, girl. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Yes. All right. Bye, Bye. girl.